Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from July 11th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Jay, and joining me today is Pastor Jeff. Hello. Hey, Jay. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. It is good to be here. It's good to have you sitting here in this chair. It's, I'm glad to be in this chair. Are you? How are you today? I'm doing all right. I'm I'm struggling with your levels a little bit because you tend to be very soft-spoken until you're not. Well, then I get excited about something and boom. Maybe you'll get excited today. I think I will. You already were pretty excited about the fact that I had an outline for the sermon this weekend. I was very excited. If For those of you who maybe not remember, on Sunday, Jay had a four-point outline for this sermon, yep. which is not his typical preference or way of communicating, but for all of our good, he decided to do that, and I really appreciated it. I have it at the top of my notes here. You're not the only one who said that. I got I got that feedback a little bit. Every time I do something like that, I now I just kind of embrace it, but friends of mine in the past would laugh about that because I just, I'm not, I'm not good at that. And I've also been known to give an outline and then not preach that sermon. And then you're, you're like, wait, are we on point two or are we still on point well, one? Well, I'll just go, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've given like, Hey, today I'm going to cover a, B and C. And then I start preaching on a, and then I end up with two, three, nine. Oh yeah. Like I'm not even, and I never even go back to the well, there, yeah, it, you do uh, set a bit of a fence or a guide yeah. around yourself if you say, there. here's the points. Yeah, and then I just bust through that fence, much <laughs> to the chagrin of a lot of people, and I, I don't know. But it's, you stuck to it this time. I did. Was, I, you know, I should get some points for that, I feel. Yeah, I thought that was really good. I, I appreciated Psalm 6, too. I, it's one of those psalms when you read it, and as we read it with our plan, it's intense, right? You read it, and you're like, whoa, David, right. you are not holding back here buddy and i appreciated how you set it up you set it up too as a prequel yeah you, you said this is a, a kind of a prequel to some other psalms we've been talking about that are psalms of waiting on god and circumstances not changing but us waiting for his intervention in them yeah because i i was just thinking when i when i wrote it i thought well man i should have this should have been um before psalm 130 but that doesn't always work that way, right? So I I think it was because I just thought people are dealing, you know, when you're dealing with a hard circumstance and you're asking questions about, okay, God, where are you? What are you doing? Like the answer is to wait on the Lord, to trust him. He will renew our strength. He will deliver us. He will, and that's where David gets. And I just thought, man, that would be, that would be the, the transition into like, okay, how do you then wait on the Lord? Um, and so I thought, well, we already preached that sermon. So this is kind of, well, what do you do if you're not, if you're not even to where you want to wait on the Lord, if your, your heart isn't there yet, where you're saying, I don't want to wait. I don't, I don't know what to do with this. How do I, what step do I take right now? Which I think it's funny. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, Jeff, that, that the Psalms, though very poetic are actually pretty practical a lot of times. They give a lot of really good instruction of of seeing someone go through these emotions and go through 
um, just the wrestling with these ideas and it helps us with flow. It helps us with where to start. It actually lays out a lot of steps of how to handle grief, how to worship God, how to, um, how to process difficult circumstances, how to see God working in the midst of those, how to remember his promises, like so many things that are actually poetically, practically laid out. Like beautifully put, which I think is one of the, to me, it's one of the evidences of the divine inspiration of them. Yeah. Because like if you read Psalm 119, for example, so like the longest Psalm, and it's so focused on the beauty of God's word, but the way it does it is unreal. There, it's just unmatched in the imagery and beauty. And I think, I mean, I was thinking about this when I preached a couple weeks ago, but part of, I think, why the Psalms, at least for me and my life, have been so useful is all the things you mentioned, like the variety and the honesty, and then that God chose to write so many of them through the hand of David, who mm-hmm. was a real human, who had great strengths in things that are to be admired, but because he's a real human, he was also a failure <laughs> in a lot of ways. Right. He rebelled against God. And it's an example for us as we do our real lives and as real humans, we have all those mixed things. We have great days and great moments and we have great failures and difficult days. And the Psalms are full of those. And yeah, yeah, I appreciated it. I think, you know, like you said, the order that we're following, we're submitting to the reading plan right now as we pick our our Psalms for each week. And I feel like that was just God's hand and how he wanted it to happen. So yeah, I appreciated it. I, I was thinking this is the psalm that teaches us how to pray, Lord, I want to want to wait on you. Like I want to be able to do that. And sometimes we have to pray like the prequel. I yeah. really, I, right now I don't want to, but I want to want to. And sometimes that's where we start. And to me, that's where he starts here in this sorrowful, and you said quite dramatic way. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, that whole idea of wanting to want something is a really critical thing. If people don't understand, so people don't understand what you mean by that. Why don't you explain that a little bit? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. So there's a place where we can be, where we want to obey what we read in the word or or we want. So for this example, waiting on God is saying I'm in a difficult circumstance where something hasn't happened yet that I want to happen and I'm trusting him and I'm waiting on him to act. But at the same time, we can feel in our heart, actually, I don't want to wait. I really want this dealt with now. I'm not at the place of being able to trust. And I would say if that's where my heart is, that's when I have to pray the prayer, God, help me want to want that. And I think that's really important. One, because it helps us get in touch with where our heart really is. Like that Mm -hmm. honesty is really important. God already knows that. It's not a mystery to him. But we often don't know ourselves. That's part of the struggle is like we can be self-deceived and we don't understand why we do what we do. So I think getting to the place where we can acknowledge, I truly don't want that, but I do want to want it. And I've often had to start seasons of my life with that prayer in a lot of different areas, even, okay, take a prayer life. Like, do you want a prayer life? A lot of times in our lives, we don't feel like praying. We just don't. We feel dry. We feel like God's distant. But often I can at least get to the place where I can want to want a prayer life. And I'll ask for that. You start where you really are. Yeah. And that's what you see in these Psalms. There's no pretense. It's where David really is. Yeah, it's, I think it's asking, like you said, it's it's asking the honest question of yourself. Do I really want this? 
And one way that I've phrased that before with myself and with others is like, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand right now and just make this happen, is that really, would you want to do it? Um, so for example, hmm. you could say, okay, I want, like, let's say you've got a, a job decision to make, like you, you, and you, you say, oh, I want what God wants for me. Like, I, you know, a lot of times we'll pray God, whatever you, whatever you want for this. But that doesn't mean our heart is actually there. We could actually say, but I really want this other thing. And so you, you start with, well, but I want to want what God wants for me. Um, and, and sometimes you have to go even back further to be like, well, I want to want to want that. Like, and I know that sounds silly, but it is so critical to know where your heart actually is. Um, you know, because your mind can say, well, I know that this is better. I know it's better that I'm content in whatever the Lord gives me, or I, I'm content in this thing. Um, but my heart isn't there yet. And asking that question can, can help you get there, which I do think is what we see in the Psalms a lot, which is why we see David say things that we wouldn't necessarily, like we wouldn't affirm, um, because he is being so transparent and so honest about his emotions and and where he is and how he sees the world and it's pretty amazing when you consider he hasn't seen jesus yet and so there are things in the psalms that i look at and i go there's no way that david could know that just apart apart from god i mean just apart from faith you just think about the faith that he had knowing that god would deliver him not seeing the cross, not knowing that that was what was going to happen. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And you also understand then that in his world, you know, he was uh, when, when, when Israel was God's people, like that was the nation. And so there are a lot of things in there that are about God protecting that the nation of Israel, because that's protecting God's people. And so, you know, when you understand that, and today we're praying that we pray that, that God would preserve his church and, you know, his people. So there's, there's translating that sometimes is done, but um, anyway, we could go off on the whole thing about that, but that is, that is part of the, the fun of Psalms and why they're so rich and why they're quoted so much and why the new Testament quotes them so much and, and why generation after generation of um, Jews who followed, followed God, um, that's, that was their scripture. I mean, Psalms were, mm -hmm. um, were, were the thing. So Anyway, about this, we, we were having some conversations um, about this. So there are things that um, jumped out at you, Jeff, that I saw you yeah. I saw you give some really grumpy faces at times and some disapproving looks. Oh, gosh. I, uh, what were those about? Oh, did you? <laughs> I pretty much only notice your reactions to everything. As you're... As you're squinting through the sun, <laughs> piercing, the sun. piercing brightness on Sunday. It's I was so feeling good. for you, by the way. You did a great job of like, just keep going. But man, the sun can in. be bright. So I will tell you, I was not grumpy for everyone who doesn't <laughs> know if Jay's joking. But the the first point that I really struck me was you made this point that often when we're going through challenges or difficult things, we can focus on the circumstance or the other person. But really, in the end, David shows us that our heart, our own heart, is the issue. And I wondered if you can maybe expand on that a little bit or give us some nuance of what you were getting at when you said that. So, so I think the nuance is important here because anybody that's been a part of our church knows we say this all the time. Like, you don't 
we don't blame external circumstances. We don't put our hope in external circumstances changing. And so whether it's an election or a medical diagnosis or a job situation or whatever the case is, so many people, we, we approach life as saying, if these other things changed, then I would be fine. And what we're actually saying there is, God, it's your fault. It's not my fault. I wouldn't, I wouldn't respond in this sinful way. I wouldn't go after these sinful things if you just took care of these things out here. So many people get angry at God for um, not fixing their external circumstances, and then they just blame him for for their own sin. And so, um, so that's a key thing that we have talked about over and over again. I think the nuance comes in with this, is that even if we get to that place, we often then look at a situation and say, Okay, so then we still think it's about blame and responsibility. So let's say that, you know, we I come into the office and you just out of the blue just start berating me. You've had a bad day and you just start screaming at me and berating me and um and then I kind of snap back a little bit. Well, anybody looking at that situation would not say that I that I was to blame for that situation. I think a lot of times we look at it and we say, well, it takes takes two to tango, or we've got this kind of this idea that, um, well, it, it, both of us were involved in that. That's why this escalated or whatever. Yes, sometimes that's the case, but that's a different issue. Like blame and responsibility is a, is a different issue. We're talking about heart sin issue. And, and in that, even in a circumstance where I'm totally blameless, where I'm a victim, because look, there are, there are evils in the world where there is just a pure victim yes that who did nothing to contribute to the situation or to do anything about they are pure victims um now they know that that word gets used a lot and people talk about victim mentality or victim status or whatever but we just have to be honest that there are situations and circumstances where someone is not to blame for the circumstance the situation that they're in um i mean obviously an obvious one would be an illness yes you get some random illness, you know, whatever, like some, sometimes there are illnesses that, that are the result of our own decisions. And a lot of times there are illnesses that aren't. Um, but that's why it's different than blame or responsibility. When we say, when we say that David looks at it and says his own heart is the issue, he's not purport, like, he's not like preaching some form of karma. He's not saying that because my heart is sinful, that's why all these bad things have happened to me. That's why people want to kill me. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is his joy and his dependency on God, his worship of God, his ability to glorify God, that is inhibited by his own sin. And doesn't have David has legitimate gripes here. People are trying to kill him for no good reason. That is just jealousy. Now, David isn't blameless, but this isn't the karma game. It's not that, okay, well, if I wouldn't have sinned, then I, these things wouldn't have happened. It's no, he's put in this circumstance in these situations. And so if you want your life to be about glorifying God, then you have to start with your own heart response. So in that circumstance that, um, you know, when I said, if you're yelling at me, berating me or whatever, I have to believe that my ability to worship God is not impacted by your actions at all. I'm still able to worship God and glorify him in that moment. I can still respond with kindness. I can still, I can still peacefully 
you know, turn the other cheek. I can, I can work for peace by trying to diffuse the situation and that may or may not work. And it may or may not clear me of anything. It may or may not get me out of the situation. But in that moment, I'm able to worship God and honor him and glorify him. And to the extent I don't, that is sin. Regardless of what you did, it's not it's not blame for the situation. It is it is sin because I'm not honoring God and I'm not being faithful to him in that moment, believing that he put me in that situation. Yes. Our hearts, I mean, the, the challenge is our hearts respond to sin sinfully. Mm-hmm. That That's what happens. And it's... So part of it, I think, is the the second you had the second point that I have listed here is perspective. If you can experience that, like that that office conflict, and know what just happened is painful and not right and unjust. So we're not saying and you can't say that. That's, that's part fault, of it, right? Yeah. And not your fault. You may not be to blame at all. So you can say all that, yeah, and then also know, okay, but. I know my father in heaven is watching over me. I have a shepherd right now. I'm a sheep. And he is allowing this for my healing, for my good right now. That's the perspective shift. That's what what, what we want our hearts to do. It's just that our hearts don't often do that. And our heart, a heart of like acknowledging I'm a child being cared for by my father, even as this unjust thing is happening. That's what I think I would want my heart to do, but it just doesn't. Often our heart responds very sinfully to that. And unfortunately, that's like the life and the world that we're in. Right. Like that's kind of an extreme situation where where we hope we don't walk into that when we go to our job today. But the reality is because of the brokenness in the world, we're not going to ever be at a place where we can say, yeah, but if this sin hadn't happened, I wouldn't have sinned. Right. We are surrounded by that all the time. We can't get away from it right now. We live in a world that is like that. And oftentimes it's not extreme. It's just the mundane selfishness that we, we in our own heart and people around us. It's the person cutting in front of you in the line. And then we get impatient with that person. Well, if they hadn't cut in front of me in the line, I wouldn't have been impatient. Well, yeah. It just revealed your impatience. It, it like does. It just revealed that you... Totally. That you, yeah. And, and so that is like, I, I really hope that that's coming across because, because like I said, often the, our first step kind of surface level is just that we, that we're looking for. Yeah. I had a part to play in that also, mm-hmm. but that is not what we're talking about here. That, that is a different issue. Absolutely. That's good for reconciliation and everything to apologize, to ask for forgiveness, to say, you know, Hey, I'm sorry. I, I, I responded to you this way. And I know then you reacted to that and, and whatever the case is, but where we are with what David is talking about here is we're saying that in any and all circumstances, we are called to give thanksgiving and to praise, like to, to, to receive and, and to pray with thanksgiving in our hearts for all circumstances, meaning that our shepherd is, I, I love that because you're right. He's, he's forming us and shaping us and giving us opportunities to see some of these sinful things. It's like pointing out weeds, mm-hmm. you know, where you say, okay, I'm drawing attention to this. And now you see, I shine some light on this and you see that, Hey, there's some work that needs to be done here. So when, when a a coworker snaps at me or makes my life difficult in some way and I react, you know, I I get angry or I feel, um, 
wronged in some way and I, and I want them to get paid back or, or whatever, that's God's kindness to say, see, that's what's there. And I want to, I want to, I want to uproot that because I want you to not be controlled by that anymore. And so it's actually his kindness that he does some of these things that reveal this. You know, I, I feel like the pandemic has been that way for a lot. When someone asked me what it's been like to pastor during the pandemic, and I said, it's actually been really great because one of the things it did is it unearthed a lot of unhealthy things just in the church as a whole. We've, we've unearthed, like God in his kindness has given us circumstances that brought things to light that were there. And like you said, Jeff, it's, it's, it's not that like your, your sin against me doesn't create the sin in me. Mm-hmm. It just reveals it just reveals what was there and praise God that he would reveal those things. It's like a medical diagnosis. Praise God when some of these other symptoms come up so that you say, oh, there's actually a problem here. And so David at this point is doing that. It's like this stuff has come up and and what he has seen in his response, I think in his response to some of the unjust things that are happening to him, he has seen sin come up in his heart. And he's not saying well, I'm also to blame for this. He's saying, I have seen my heart and there's ugly parts of this that are coming up in me right now. So that's, and that's what he's praying about. So that's where he then says like, don't rebuke me, God. I I see it too. I see that in my heart, like I, this, this person that wants to kill me, I want to kill them. And that has come up in my heart. And I, so don't, don't rebuke me. Be merciful to me help help me like i see this in my heart help me and that's where that repentance comes in and that's what's so beautiful when you do that you say okay i see this reaction in me and it's ugly it's sinful god would you deal with me and that's what we mean when we say that it's it's a it's a heart issue so hopefully hopefully that makes sense and is helpful and keeps keeps people from um either trying to vindicate themselves by blaming somebody else or the opposite where they blame themselves for a circumstance in a situation where they you may very well be it just may be something that the circumstance itself is completely out of your control and not your fault but your heart response like pay attention to what comes up in your heart and confess that to the lord yeah that's where god's working in you yeah i i i think that's i hope that's helpful now I want to call you out on a contradiction here, though. Okay. I mean, come on, Jay. You got an outline and a glaring contradiction in yep. that outline. So we just said, bring it on. We just said our heart is the issue, and then a little while later you said it's not about you, and you gave this I thought a really hilarious example of this best man who's like strutting his stuff at a wedding, and you know under this illusion that this is all about him. You said, but it's not about you. So. In one moment, you're saying this is your heart is the issue. And then you said, it's not about you. So let's talk about that. Like, how is that? It, I actually don't think it's a contradiction. I'm joking. Right. But how, it, how, <laughs> how can you say both things? What do, we, what do you mean by that? Because, um, so yeah, we're saying it's about your heart. Like, start your heart. And then we say it's not about you. It's because what, what matters in your life and in my life um, let's let's take a job situation where you get unfairly passed over for a promotion. So somebody else gets a promotion that you deserve because you work much harder than that person. You may be better than them at the job. They may and they may have gotten it through other means besides just being good at their job. They may have played a political game. They may know some different people. It may be buddy buddy system. Whatever the case is, um, 
the reason we get so angry about that is because we think the most important thing is that we get the promotion. But when your life is not your own and your life exists to point to God, then you realize it's it it's not about that promotion. It's about your worship of God in the midst of being passed over for the promotion. And so that's what I mean when it's, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about my life working out the way that I want it to. It's not about me being lifted up and someone looking and saying, well, look at what a great guy he was and look at how successful he was. Look at how successful his family was. Look at how it it is found in me pointing to the worthiness of Christ. It is it is decreasing. And as I do that, as I realize, then I then I get into this place where I say, okay, if my life exists to glorify Christ, to demonstrate his worthiness, then then it becomes about him. That gives me the perspective I need that then also helps me repent over my heart issues because I realize this is my whole this is my whole purpose. Um, it would be like if you know, we have smaller purposes in life. We have smaller responsibilities that are like, you know, that are subordinate to that. So, so for example, I provide for my family. That's a responsibility I have. But the reason why that's a responsibility is because God has given it to me as a responsibility. He's given me that to steward. Um, but, but it is all to glorify him and being content with what that looks like and prioritizing what that looks like according to what he says to me about it and not towards what the world says about what opportunities I should give my kids or how they should perform in things or what it means for them to be successful um, is all saying like, look, this isn't, it's not about me. It's not about people seeing my success. It's about, it's about when people look at me, they, they see something, they see me pointing to something greater. So, what we find then actually is when you get passed over for the promotion, that actually gives you a better opportunity to do that. I was um, actually just talking to somebody who got passed over for a prom- for this very thing, and their response their response was they just kept working, they just worked harder. And I I, I said to them, and and they're they're a follower of Jesus, and I said to them, you know, that's actually a really rare thing. So they were in this job, like this interview process with this other person and they were more qualified and had been there, like they, all the things and they didn't get the promotion. Now, I think a lot of times in those situations, the world would say, well, you need to leave that job. Mm -hmm. Go find somewhere where they appreciate you. Um, Or at the very least, it would be personally difficult. Now, Now you're actually under this person that you just competed against and you see yourself as more qualified for and this person's response was, well, God must have just placed me here. So I'm going to be faithful and work as hard as I can in the position I'm in. Now, what's the big, what's the greater testimony? Like, is the greater testimony the person that says, oh, I trusted God and I got the promotion. Or the person who acts in this countercultural way and demonstrates faithfulness to a company that has treated them unfairly and unjustly and says, no, because God... I believe God placed me here, so therefore I'm going to be faithful and do the job the best that I can, continue to work as hard as I can. That's the thing that will draw the attention of coworkers. And so when I believe it's not about me, 
then I, then I not only am not discouraged by those external circumstances, I realize, I trust that my father has placed me there. And I see that I actually have this bigger platform of which to glorify and say, well, yeah, because I'm working for the Lord. So whether I get promoted or I don't, whether I get a raise or I don't, whether um, I, I, I do this for the Lord. Whether my spouse grows in their faith the way that I'm growing in my faith, I still love them and serve them the way the Lord has called me because it's for the Lord. It's it's not about me. You're in it with him. And and that person, that's an amazing example, the, the one you just had, that conversation, that person clearly has in their mind that the plot and the story they are in has a central character and that character is not them. Right. The character is Christ and him being exalted and him being glorified and glorified. And whenever I hear that, and we've talked about this before, I just think revealed for who he is. Mm -hmm. God is glorified when he is seen for who he is because it is unbelievably magnificent when we see him for who he is. So the behavior, like that reaction to that letdown with the job reveals who God is in this person. And that's the point. That's why God made us in his image to reflect who he is to the world. But we don't do that if we think we're the main point of it all. No. Because then this whole thing should be working around our success, our preferences. And our own success and preferences aren't bad. It's not like that's bad. It's no. just that if we build life around that, not only will we will we be endlessly frustrated because that isn't anyone else's <laughs> priority, in the world because of the way the world is, but we're missing our own joy that we would have in Christ if we'd lived in the world as it actually is. Because the world as it actually is, is Christ is in the center of it. We just read, we're reading Ephesians in our Bible reading plan. You read that and it's inescapable that all things are about him. All things summed up in him. When we live in a way that is counter to that, we're living in an imaginary world and that is frustrating it's living counter to the way reality is and it's painful. So when we do what you're describing, acknowledge that it's not about me. It's ultimately about him. We conform to the way the world actually is and the way we were made to live in it. And even though that's difficult, I'm sure that's still disappointing. This person didn't get the job. There is freedom and joy and life in that because you know, you're being taken care of in that. It's just a, it's a totally, like you said, countercultural. It's a, um, you use another word, it's escaping me right now, but it's a way of acknowledging what is real. Yeah, it is acknowledging what is real. I think, yeah, that it's, I'm trying, I'm trying to just gather like, cause you said so many good things there. And I think, um, when you realize it's not about you, then that does allow you to handle both success and failure. Yes. And that's the thing. Cause like you said, it's not that success is bad. It's yeah. not that like if you're offered a promotion at work, you should say, no, no, I shouldn't take that for the glory of God. For I the can't glory of God. I can't take that. It's not that it's whatever you do do for the glory of God. So there are a lot of examples. Um, I, I hesitate to point out examples like today, I, I know I could say something and somebody could send an email and be like, well, that company is actually the worst. And like, okay, maybe it is. But I think about Chick-fil-A and how they, they have been incredibly successful, but overtly trying to glorify God. And so, for example, closing down on Sundays, which it's not about that. It's not like saying that, well, um, 
if, if the convictions of your convictions from scripture allow you to work on Sunday, that's not a, that's not what we're talking about. It's not like, okay, well they went about it the right way. Therefore God bless them. I think that's the dangerous way of looking at it. Like looking at Chick-fil-A and say, well, they went, they go about business in the right way. They treat their employees. Well, they, you know, protect Sunday. They haven't given in on their convictions of that, even when they've had lots of money thrown at them to do it. Um, and, and I think the wrong way of looking at that is because they've held to all those principles, God has blessed them and made their business grow. That That's not what's going on there. What's going on there is God is giving them a platform to be faithful in, just like he gives the failed business owner a platform to be faithful in. And there are a lot of businesses I've known where people have worked just as hard and been just as faithful and been just as Christ honoring as Chick-fil-A has been and their businesses have failed. And, and what we have to understand is like when Paul's saying, like I boast in all my weaknesses and he talks about calamities and hardships. When he talks in Philippians about being content in all circumstances, he means that God, God may, God may give you the platform of health and success, success and, and, um, financial prosperity in this world. And if he does give you that platform, he gives you that platform to bring glory to him. And so, you know, be generous with that, treat employees well, respond to all that in the way. I think that's what's happened with Chick-fil-A. I think that they have responded. They have been, they have been attempting to be faithful stewards of the platform that God has given them. And, and so we got to get that cause effect correct, because if we don't, that's when it becomes about us, because that's when I've, I've talked to people who have said, I've, I've seen this and especially in, in business and in marriages where I've heard people say something along the lines of, I did everything the right way and it didn't work. And so they feel cheated by God because they feel like it was this bargain that if you do all the things the right way, then I will bless you. And we're creating this contract that God doesn't give. God promises to be faithful to us and to work for our good and to work all things together for, for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He promises to make all things right. He promises to not forsake us. He promised, like there are a billion promises that God makes. And when we get into, when we create this contract and thinking, well, if I do this, then God will do this. Well, that is Christian karma. It's, it's doomed for destruction and it's not biblical. No. And Paul did not see it that way at all. If anybody could have said, holy cow, look at all the things I've done for you. Like Paul should have been super wealthy and super like super I've done powerful. all this. I've done all this now. There must be really good things in yeah. the sense of wealth and pleasures right. and whatever. That's and not it, how it works. No, and instead he ends up in a prison and he calls it all good. He says like, sure, like all that other stuff. Like I count it as loss. He says, you know, I think. And so people like we. That's what we mean. When we say it's it's not about it's not about you. It's it's about God. Your life exists to glorify God in any circumstance to demonstrate to the world what Paul has says whether whether we are healthy or whether we're sick we've been lifted high or brought low whether we are um, whether we have a lot or we have very little we glorify God that's what our whole that's that perspective that we're looking for and because of that then when I don't do that regardless of my circumstances if my business gets really successful and I start compromising to make more money and I start like, we see that too. People 
get in there and, and they start making money and then and then they do start to compromise on some of those things and that's not that's not faithful um so if i if god gives me that platform if god gives me the platform of a really healthy marriage that then then i need to steward that and use that you know generously and and let that spur me on to care for others like maybe that means i, I care for other marriages or that i that i welcome a child who doesn't have a home into into my home um or if i'm in a really hard situation either one we're able to glorify god to actually fulfill have a life of significance regardless of those circumstances because what makes it significant is my worship of god and demonstrating that he is more valuable than all of this by god's grace would we, right. would we get there right in our, our own hearts oh jay time is flying i want to get to the where you ended in your sermon you ended with um this example of someone who solved the problem of renewable energy needing renewable energy <laughs> And contrasting it with giving someone a glass of water to drink who's in great need. And I'd love it if you could just flesh that out again for us, like what you were what you were aiming at there, and then why is that so important for us to keep in mind in light of what we just talked about? Yeah, okay. So first of all, this is one of those funny things that happen when we say that this kind of stuff happens and we just know that our father is here and cares for us. I haven't even told you this yet. Someone came up to me after the sermon and just said, I, I literally, like, I think it was either the night before, I think it was the night before or two nights before, it was that weekend, turned in a paper on renewable energy. And this is this, this is just this random, I, I just out of the off, out of the blue, just thought like, uh, what would be a great human achievement? I could have just as easily said a cure for cancer or whatever. Right, right. And so this person who is like hearing the sermon and it's really hitting home, like it's a very like, personal feels very personal to them like we've definitely had people i know you've had people come up to you and say i feel like that message was just for me yes. so this person is feeling that way and then the example i give is you could solve renewable energy like as they just turned in a paper on how to solve renewable that's energy. that's fantastic it was so unbelievable i just sit there and go okay god I, and i just told them i said that's just a that's just a gift from the lord like that's an easter egg that's just yes. a just a, like hey just so you know i really am here i really do care about these details like just praise him and, and give thanks and move on. But um, yeah, like what I'm trying to point out there is that small acts of faith are the most important, most valuable things in the kingdom. It, it's faith. It's always faith. It's just trusting that God is who he says he is and responding to that. And so the greatest human achievements, the things that we think are so important, and I, I just tried to think of the greatest human achievement that we could have. And like I said, it could have been a cure for cancer, but that done in self exaltation and, and glorifying it, it's then it's the tower of Babel. It's, yes. it's just, so you could take the greatest thing that you think gives significance on earth and it pales in comparison. It is nothing compared to the, what we would see as a tiny act of faith. A faithful response to God. And when I use the giving the cup of, of water to a homeless man, it's it's all the things. It's Jesus saying, when whatever you do to the least of these, you've done to me. And he uses that specific example. Um, it's, it's you looking at a person and saying, you are created in the image of God. And even though the world says, the world would say, my life is more valuable than yours. We know in the gospel that is not the case. 
We know that that we are all image bearers. We know that um, the world would say, hey, bless people who can bless you in return. There's all kinds of, of success books and business books that talk about that, of investing in other people who will then be able to invest back in you. But Jesus says, when you have, throw a banquet, invite people who can't invite you back, who can't pay you back. Um, and you're, what you're doing in that moment is demonstrating simply, God, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that what you value is most important. I just, I believe you when you say this, that this is more important. And so in faith, I'm going to take time out of my day and go do this. And when that happens, heaven rejoices. They re, they rejoice more than when renewable energy is, you know, is solved or even when cancer is cured. Heaven, the angels don't rejoice at human achievement. They're not impressed. They're not impressed. The angels were not impressed when the internet was invented. <laughs> they were not impressed by Jonas Salk and, you know, penicillin being like, they're not, they're not impressed by that. They rejoice in faithfulness. They rejoice in, in human beings like we do with our children. Like we're like, what, what stirs in you more with your children? Like, you know, some act that everybody else thinks is great. Or when you see something take root in their heart and, you know, they, uh, like a lot of parents talk about, you know, it being, they being really encouraged when their child, like, um, you know, there's all kinds of stories about kids shoplifting, you know, and then they go back and they apologize and they give it back and they pay like most parents are we're, like, we're excited about that kind of stuff more like, that when our kids, we see conviction in their hearts and we see it change their behavior and we see them respond in ways that are Christ honoring. Like that's what we want. Then that's what our father rejoices in, in us. So I don't know if that makes sense, you know? Well, it does. I mean, it makes me think of sports like with our kids. Yeah. You know, the thing yeah. that a parent's watching, like as I watch, you know, our kids play soccer I love it when they score. I mean, I do. I love that. But what I love more than that is when they play it and how they play the game, if they play it in in the character of Christ, if there's kindness towards teammates, if there's unselfishness. Right. Played hard, played passionately, but that's what I love. I do love when they score. But it, it makes me think, as you were talking, it was like the things that get human fanfare and applause don't necessarily get heavenly fanfare and applause because those things are about the heart and faithfulness to Christ. Again, it's like, who is the center of the story? It goes back to the point you were just making about, it's not about you. Well, if it's not about me, it's about Christ and his ways and his kingdom. And what's important in his kingdom is different than what's important in the kingdom of the world. It's very different. It's upside down. When you read through the gospels, it's just totally different. And that's what the beauty of this too, Jay, I think just very getting practical here is that what it means for us who want to follow Jesus by grace, by his spirit, it's the simple right in front of us next step, right? Where we get to do this, like where we can be faithful. It's this, it's not the giant big thing that gets a ton of fanfare. It's the simple and often unseen thing by anyone else other than God. He sees it. We talked about our father seeing in secret this last year, but it makes me think of that. That that's for us who follow Jesus. It's the next simple step where we acknowledge in action, our faith that he is the center of all things. 
and this is ultimately about him and that's the thing of significance and that's what the good life is that we see in the psalms and we see it throughout the new testament as well i think my hope is that as people hear this i do i hope their heart is stirred to realize this really key point that a life of significance significance in the kingdom is defined by my glorifying jesus mm-hmm. and when that's the case and and i do that by being faithful and responding in faith that he is who he says he is and and what he values and how he functions and just believing that that's better and then when i demonstrate that in my in my actions and when i believe all that then when the world is looking for big moments for significance you mentioned sports and we Mm -hmm. talked about this like if 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 you believe that what gives you significance in sports is being the hero of the game, scoring the most points, knocking in the game-winning run, whatever the case is, then you get fleeting moments. Like most of us, even playing our entire sports career, you 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 might get one or two moments like that, opportunities. And that's kind of discouraging because the rest of them, like, well, what, what do those matter? But when you have those kingdom values and you understand that I actually, what gives significance is being faithful in every given moment, every interaction, then you've got, you get hundreds of them a day of opportunities that would make, that make angels cheer. Like it's, that's a lot of opportunities for significance. And yes, we miss a lot of them and we fail, but it's our father is gracious and gives us more. He just constantly is giving us more opportunities to demonstrate faith and to grow in our in our faith. And so if we want to be really practical, I would just say um, in those moments when you see those circumstances hit and you're you're determining like how do I how do I respond to this? I just I would just say just stop and consider what does God value in this moment right now? What what is pleasing to him? what is what is the life of christ look like right now and then respond in faith because if what my father values because my my flesh is going to tell me well what matters is i was wronged here or what matters is i need to be seen as right what matters is i need to i should have gotten this or whatever the case is but in the kingdom what matters is i need to worship i need to worship god in this moment and then just respond in faith and you might find that you won't, you'll actually be slower to respond in anger. You'll be slower to, to, to become like, you won't, you won't let bitterness creep in like all these different things that will happen when we hand ourselves over to our flesh and over to the enemy instead acknowledge, okay, this is, this is where God is in this. And I'm going to respond in faith to him. That's how is that for practical? I'm trying, great. I'm, I'm trying to be practical. I think that right? was very practical. Yes. And I, it, like it's a life, it's a life that to me, I want, <laughs> I right. hear that. And I'm like, that is the good life that is, Yeah, I want that. And so it's important for us to remind each other that we could have that. Yeah. That's a vision thing. So you did both at once there. I did both. Good way. job. I know. I mean, I feel like a puppy that you guys have been giving treats to. Like that happened at staff meeting yesterday or having an elder meeting last night where yeah. I gave really practical I, or no, it was a staff meeting. Staff I came meeting. with a detail and you a practical didn't. thing. And you guys were all like, oh, that's a good boy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good boy. That's a good co- You came with details. Reward. 
you know so what's that it's a reward oh, right yeah it was my reward so positive positive affirmation so all right well hopefully this has been helpful hopefully practically and big picture wise uh if you have questions about any of this please let us know always if you have questions about uh, a sermon or about anything else that you're wrestling with we would love to kind of discuss it here um, because questions that you have are probably questions that others have as well and so um, it could be a help to them um, in, in addition to helping yourself and helping us as we work through these things, trying to follow our Lord Jesus. So until next time, grace and peace.